Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, there is no why in feedback. Part one, here we go. We talk about um, feedback quite a bit, you and I, because we keep running into managers who have difficulty giving negative feedback, even though they realize that they need to do so. But it's just hard. And one of the things that drives them away from giving feedback is that they don't want to have long conversations with their directs. Yeah. They've tried it before. They've seen something that was that's wrong. Their, their direct has told them, hey, I want to know more about how I'm doing. Right. So they sat down, they broached the subject, they tried to make it really easy, and it turned out to be this long, painful conversation. Directs, they just, re- <laughs> they just react in a way we wouldn't like them to. Right. And, and a lot of managers assume that because they believe in the model, the model makes sense to them, that therefore the directs should respond only to the model rather than to their history with feedback, right? <laughs> the manager says, hey, listen, I'm willing to tolerate some mistakes. And they even say to themselves, look, the only reason I'm giving this negative feedback to this guy is because he said repeatedly, he asked me, please tell me how I'm doing. I'd rather know than not know. Even if it's bad, please go ahead. Right. But but I've done it so poorly in the past that as soon as he asked me, now now I've just I'm just gonna assume that he knows my good intent. I'm giving him the negative feedback because he asked for it and I expect him just to you know, no, I was actually it. thinking of something different, though. No, oh, I was okay. thinking about uh, um, you work for somebody else. And you, let's say you're 35 years old. You've got t- 10, 15 years in the workplace and you've never had a good boss. I mean, what, what, what does the average boss do in terms of feedback? I would say that the average boss does two things for negative feedback. And well, I'll just tell you what I, those two things are. One is if somebody repeatedly does something wrong, they call them in and have what is politely referred to as a come to Jesus meeting. You're in trouble, right? This has got to stop. And the other thing is they give an annual review. That's it. That's oh, the extent I was of feedback. Say, oh, I, I thought one of your, your answers was going to be they don't give it. They don't give any. No, no, no. I mean, the average manager, I look, the average manager, what I figure – in companies big enough to have some sort of performance review system, you really can't dodge it. I mean, yeah, some people at the very top do, but for the most part, a manager has to do that. And in the manager's eyes, that's feedback, right? Yeah, of course, it's point. watered down. It's probably not terribly credible. Um, and it literally becomes an administrative exercise for the organization, which, by the way, is important. But because it's so watered down, it loses its value. But look, I mean, the direct – wants feedback because he's not gotten it for years. And the manager just assumes that because the model is the model, that therefore they should be okay with it. Or or even if they don't use our model, the direct responds negatively. And look, the manager even said, I really don't want to do this, but this one time I could say something. And they get they get their head bitten off. Or, hey, listen, I appreciate it, but you don't understand. This is, this is the guy, he didn't give me his stuff. Right. And you can't hold me accountable for the guy not doing it. And then the manager says to us after the fact, what do I do in that situation? I said, well, what you do is focus on, hey, look, I I required you to have it here on Tuesday. What are you going to do next time to get it to me on Tuesday? And and we combine shot across the bow, which we're going to talk about later on in this cast. But the manager is like, what do I say to the guy who wants to blame it on somebody else? I said, well, don't go off on him, obviously. And of course, we have a cast about owning the inputs. 
Well, but the most, the vast majority of them don't get to ask us what to do. They don't get advice. So they have this conversation. It goes poorly. Yeah. And they just go to hell with this. I'm not doing this anymore. It's too painful. Right. Yeah. And even if the direct does make a small change, the manager doesn't know what to do with the second half of that conversation. And there are some managers we we'll talk about a little bit who who are not average who will say, let's let's sit down and talk about the reasons why you did that. And of course, those managers end up not giving too much feedback either because it takes too dang long. And you know, look, the direct the, the direct is uh, we'll talk about this more, but the direct is responding in a completely rational way based on the emotional damage that's been done to the average direct by the average manager in terms of how feedback has been given or more likely not given. You know, the direct says, well, let me explain that. Or the direct says, but you don't understand. The direct wants to engage. They want to win the point. They didn't mean to do it wrong. They didn't mean to have it come out wrong. What they did made sense before things ended up not going so well. Or, hey, look, in my situation, you'd have done the same thing. Well, you know, the fact that someone, a direct would say, in my situation, you'd have done the same thing, completely misses the point of feedback, which, which, by the way, look, even though communication is what the listener does, the direct, the manager's still responsible for the, for the communication. The fact that they say you'd have done the same thing literally suggests that we're talking about two entirely different things, which is the direct wants to talk about why what he did was okay because he meant well and because under the circumstances, it appeared that 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 decision was the right one. It turned out to be wrong and people don't want to be blamed for a decision that turned out wrong. And there's a whole line of decision theory, which is if under the circumstances, this was the best decision, the decision was right even if the outcome is wrong. The problem is right decisions with bad outcomes still get punished in the marketplace. And the manager's not talking about the reasons why you did it or or whether it was rational or whether it was the best decision. The outcome is bad and we don't want bad outcomes. And you're, you're right. The manager says to hell with this. Um, what they did wasn't effective. They asked for me to tell them how they were doing. I did. And, and the manager might even say, I did it pretty politely too, although I tend to not believe that. I'm amazed at the number of managers who come to the conference have heard all of our podcasts on feedback. And then when they, they're desperate to give negative feedback in our examples, in our scenarios, it's just like, wow. And, and they're, hey, can you do that better? And they ask it pretty directly, pretty forcefully. There's no lackadaisicalness. There's no tonal relaxedness when they deliver it. And, you know, the manager says, I did it as politely as I could, Mark. And they go ballistic on me. Uh, yeah, like you said, not doing this anymore. Directs really don't want comments, right? They want to get credit for wanting to have comments given to them, but they don't handle it well. Now, that's wrong. The direct actually does want comments, but the direct is hoping that they'll be delivered in such a way that they'll be worthwhile and learning. And we've taught our directs a lot of bad behaviors about feedback and about professional development and so on. And the manager says, I'll believe what they do, which is argue, as opposed to what they say, which is, I want feedback. And the manager says, stack with it. And the bottom line of that is everybody loses, right? But your manager, you got to tell your folks how they're doing. And you still have to got you still got to have enough time to get everything else done and not everybody angry and hurt all the time. So if you're a manager who isn't giving enough feedback because of the responses you get from your directs, this cast, this guidance is going to help you today. So we've got six points uh, we want to make. First one we're going to talk about, and this one's going to be hard for some of you, particularly you high Ds, you're going to be thinking, okay, Mark, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. And we do have actionable guidance in here, but because the actionable guidance is based on the typical response, we want you to understand why, where the actionable guidance comes from. So first thing we're going to talk about is why are directs defensive? What causes it? And it's normal. 
It is normal, folks, for your directs to be defensive. I wrote recently in a uh, in a newsletter, or maybe it was a Things I Think I Think. You know, the newsletter goes to everybody every two weeks, everybody who's a registered member. But uh, Things I Think I Think is a weekly note that I send out just to people who are premium content subscribers, right? And I think it was Things I Think I Think, but no, it might have been a newsletter. And I, I joked that, that when it comes to instant messaging, it was managing. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> you, you got a lot of you got a lot I got of activity on the forums as a result of that. No, oh, really? Now, see, I haven't I haven't been to the forums. I've gotten two emails. Oh, people yeah. saying, "Oh, he's wrong." You're, Mark, I think IM's done appropriately is is a good tool. Yeah, and they of course, think you're idiots. Okay, they think you're an idiot. So, okay, really? Yeah. Oh, much. I like that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Those are the kind of arguments I like to win. My response is, "How much of an idiot do you have to be to listen to an idiot?" The thing that's so frustrating for me about that is, no, I totally agree. I use instant message. You use instant message, but having it open all the time and constantly checking it is a bad idea. Yeah, that, that, I think that's what people aren't getting. But anyways, that's that's, that's yeah. a different. But topic. then the problem is of the right when it comes to instant messaging of the people who say, I think it's a good tool. Some of them are doing exactly what I tell them not to do. In their rebuttal to your point, they say that, right? They say they're in meetings and they're they're communicating immediately. <laughs> they're oh my god, you're kidding! Times a day. Oh, I can't. Yeah, exactly. I I promise. I'm flying tomorrow. I cannot wait. I <laughs> I'll go to the forums and say a few things and be totally nice. Be nice. It. But look, be my, nice. my point is, yeah, managers are doing it wrong for years. I'm not I'm not not saying you guys only you guys out there listening because Mike and I did it wrong too, and we have made. By our lack of feedback and then our anger and then our veiled hints and so on, we've made it normal for directs to be defensive. So it's important to understand that. It'll help you communicate more effectively if you understand the the, the mindset of the person you're communicating with. Now, th- what happens is when they get defensive, directs want to cite their reasons why. They want to explain what happened. Okay, And there's a reason why, and you need to understand that as well. And then we get to point three, which is there is no why in feedback. In the manager tools feedback model, there is no why. Okay, and we'll walk through what the model is briefly for those of you who have listened to it many times. Um, but the things that often go without saying bear repeating. And then step four, we're going to talk about intent. We're going to address intent so your directs know it. When you pre-brief your directs, now for those of you who have already briefed your directs on what, what feedback is like in terms of rolling out the Trinity, we'll talk about how to handle that too. And by the way, folks, this was supposed to be a, a seven-step cast. Step seven was going to be a bunch of examples, but I'm going to put that in a later cast with a bunch of different situations to help you see this a little bit better. Number five, though, is when your directs state their reasons, tell them you're not worried about why they did what they did. Be clear about it. And we'll give you a bunch of examples that you can use, phrases you can say to help dissuade the direct from believing that they need to defend what they did. Because, of course, for those of you who know, feedback the purpose of feedback is about the future it's not about adjusting it's not about addressing the past and then lastly we've got to make a nod to our one of our favorite casts don't forget about shot across the bow we need to address that for the direct who really is a little bit aggressive or a little bit angry in terms of their response not all directs are lots of directs are defensive the majority are but only a small percentage maybe 10 20 percent um, get aggressive and if that's the case you just walk away and that shot across the bow okay so let's talk about directs defensiveness just a little bit here now if you've been listening to the Managerals podcast for a while, you've got to know that the feedback model is all about encouraging effective future behavior. It's not punishment. Person's not in trouble. They did something. You think they can do better. And just giving them an opportunity 
to improve. Just letting know the results of what they did. Yeah. In most cases, it's positive, right? And every once in a while, it's negative, right? Like, right. And we say often in conferences, nine out of 10 of it ought to be positive, right? Right. In this the case, fact is, if, if it's 50-50, then that person's probably in trouble, right? If, if 50% of the stuff they do is messed up, then they're probably in trouble. Probably. The vast majority of things that people do are fine, are good, and we ought to compliment them for it and praise them for it and give them positive feedback for it so they'll do more of it. Positive feedback actually drives out negative feedback. Right. So it's all about encouraging. So suppose that we told you we, we knew a manager, right? And she had a brief 10 seconds, 10 seconds at most. Yeah, it's not, yeah 10 seconds, right. Conversation one. But, well, Mike, Mike, let, let's be clear, though. Okay, there's, there's, there's 10,000 people who are listening right now who cannot believe that you think brief is 10 seconds. They literally can't, right? Because maybe they've never been a manager before. They've only direct and their manager spent five minutes talking about why they did something. Well, so, you think t- 10 seconds is too long? So five seconds? No, 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 no. My point is, is that the, the average person listening right now to this thinks, uh, if, particularly if they're not a frequent listener, is thinking 10 seconds. My God, brief, that's minuscule. It's going to take five minutes. Yeah, and I knew that's what you meant. But yeah, my, okay, my sorry, point sorry. also was, you can do it in five seconds. I you can give examples of conference. We, we do 10 in a row of five, six second pieces of feedback. That's all it takes. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's not as simple as, hey, Mike, can I give some feedback? When you're late, it slows us down. Can you be on time? There it is. Right there. That's it. That's the entire four steps. Literally, somebody time that for me. I, I know I talk fast. Those of you who are listening to me at one and a half or two times speed, don't time me. <laughs> all right. So we're talking brief. Brief in our definition. Yeah. 10 right. seconds, right? 10 seconds. Look, she had a meeting. One of her directs was in the meeting. Right. Something didn't go as well as it could have done. It could have gone a little bit better. Right. right? The direct said they want to know when they when they have opportunities to improve. Manager feels like she can provide some insight, provides right. a suggestion. Hey, maybe you could do that better next time. Okay, good. Right. Right. And she's polite. She smiles. She's not aggressive. Doesn't raise her voice. And she does it in private. It's only between her and her direct. Right. Now, some of you, I'm sure, would go, well, of course the direct wouldn't get upset about that, right? If they got angry at that, like, really? Yeah. Well. (laughs) Not not really. (laughs) Not really. Yeah. Look, look, she did it as well as could be expected, assuming she takes them aside and say, hey, listen, uh, can I give some feedback? And the direct says, sure, am I in trouble? He said, no, you said you wanted feedback, so I'm just giving you some feedback. I'm just giving you some guidance. Um, when you interrupt Bob a couple of times when you guys are disagreeing about something, I think it makes it harder. I think it takes longer. Can you maybe not interrupt so much next time? Oh, okay. But then she says, well, actually, Bob's really hard to get in a word in edgewise. I was just trying to get a word in edgewise. It's funny what, that I said it that way because I was just role playing with myself. And I thought, think to myself, oh, sure. So now as the manager, I'm going to say to you, oh, it's okay. If you ever need to get a word in edgewise, feel free to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look at, hey, directs get defensive. You and I get defensive sometimes. Oh, sure. It it happens. Yeah. And these directs who get defensive, folks, they're your directs, okay? You're not the manager who, if you're going to start giving feedback and you have people who have been working, who who are professionals, have been in the workforce 5, 10, 15 years, or even fresh college graduates who have just started out or or high school graduates and and, uh, they're laborers or maybe maybe they're a manager. And no one's ever given feedback before. They're going to be surprised. They're going to be angry. And they're not unstable people. They're not somebody <laughs> well, who has a them. hair trigger, right? I mean, they are. They're, they're, they're going to get defensive even though they're completely normal and rational people. Right. And they're normal and rational. And the manager isn't some mean creature out there, cruel. No. But the defensiveness happens. And the result is ineffective 
in terms of the manager doing what's reasonable and appropriate. So you do the right thing and, you you know, no good deed goes unpunished. And the fact is directs are defensive for good reasons. The first reason directs are defensive is because it's an incredible historical lack of any kind of feedback, just like I said earlier, right? You felt this, frankly. If you're a manager and you're listening, you felt this. You don't hear anything from your boss. You've been told, hey, if I'm not talking to you, everything's fine. And that's fine, but it's proven stupid and misleading when one of a number of things happen, right? The first thing that proves this this idea of if you don't hear anything from me, everything's okay, is the classic case where you get someone in your boss's office and he says, look, we've got this issue we need to address. I've noticed it over the last four or five months. I didn't want to talk to you. Figured you'd correct it on your own, but you didn't correct it on your own. So now I need to talk to you about it. <laughs> and the manager, when, when, when he says, hey, I thought you corrected on your own. We didn't. The manager's trying to get off the hook for not addressing it four or five months ago. Well, right? yeah. Apparently, he lied because he said everything was fine if he wasn't talking right. to me. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and look, that whole introduction I just gave is the precursor to him pointing out something that doesn't meet a standard, whatever it's going to be. Maybe it's budget problems or team complaints or lack of progress on a notable project. And every one of us, and, and, and including me, I know this has happened to me. You know somebody this has happened to. And it's clear why it's wrong for the manager to say that to him. The whole point of this is whatever happened to, if I'm not talking to you, everything's fine. Look, folks, when a manager says at any level, if I'm not talking to you, everything's fine, it's a complete abdication of one's professional managerial duties. To then combine that with delayed feedback scares the crap out of your directs. That's what happens. And they're not wrong to be scared. They literally said, oh, my God, what in the last five months? What, what is it? What have I done? And uncertainty about where the shot is coming from makes it even worse, right? right. I can't do anything. I don't, know where the, I, I don't know what I did. And by the way, I literally have taken your lack of information. You told me that lack of feedback from you means I'm okay. So that means I drew a conclusion on everything I did in the last five months that it was okay. I already learned that lesson. What I just did was okay. My brain told me I did X. I did X. My brain said to me that was right because the boss didn't say anything. Right. All the directors now learned is that the absence of feedback is not an absence of opinion, right? Not an absence of things that they can work on. Right. We've taught them that. Right. It's a withholding, right, from us if we're the direct or by us, it's a withholding by us, if we're the manager, of valuable information. And here's the crux of the problem. The combination, folks, of your role power and lack of feedback to your directs over time creates ever-increasing professional risk for your directs. Your lack of feedback is causing them to feel greater and greater risk. Now, you might say, well, that's not what I mean. Okay, fine. But Communication is not what you do. It's what the listener does. And they begin to feel like as long as there's a case recently where it took a while, but finally there was a big come to Jesus meeting or the boss blew up and said, how many times does this have to happen before I step in? You're screwed. Your directs are reasonable, reasonable to be fearful. Simple as that. Why wouldn't every sensible, insane direct be legitimately defensive when they're told they're not doing well if the manager has withheld information or not been clear or not talked to them earlier? What good comes of the delay or the withholding other than, and here's what really is the killer here, other than the manager avoiding conflict and shirking their professional responsibilities? No good. None. None at all. Mm -hmm. Every time somebody does something wrong and you let it go, small or big, 
basically you run the risk of them learning that that was okay and they can do it again. And the second time they do it, you've just doubled the cost to the organization and you had an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. So that's why they get defensive and that's it, right? Yeah. Well, no, there's more. Another <laughs> more. <laughs> Look, another reason your directs get defensive folks is our poor record of giving them positive feedback, right? It's not just waiting to give negative feedback. And look, the fact is there are three states of feedback. Positive, that's when your boss says something you did was good. Negative, when your boss says something you did wasn't good. And the third type of feedback is none. The problem with none is that bosses want it to be treated the same as positive when it clearly isn't, right? And further, when we as managers go back to say no news is good news, right? And then later bring up something that has been a problem or a pattern over time, we prove that no news is necessarily uh, um, isn't necessarily good news at all. If we don't give positive feedback, the managers and the direct sense of how they're doing and therefore how well they're contributing to the organization begins to diverge. If we don't give positive feedback, the direct doesn't know that they're necessarily doing it right and they're worried they may be doing it wrong and that's ineffective. The direct becomes fearful that if the only feedback they get is negative, that those negatives are the only things that rise to the level of significance. In other words, all the good stuff you do, not important to me. Bad stuff, I notice it. <laughs> I guess that would lead to defensiveness. Yeah. And look, the direct knows they've done good things. But us, as managers, not giving them feedback on the positives is seen as ignorance of what they did or arrogance that we know they did it, but we're not going to talk to them about it. I'll never forget the manager says, I don't want to praise my people. They'll ask for a raise. Oh, so that's good. easy. Just tell them no. Right. The problem is our power and our arrogance as managers, if in fact it's arrogance as opposed to ignorance, combine to make the, the direct fearful that they'll be judged unfairly when it counts. What we're talking about is fundamental Dilbert stuff. Why so many bosses are thought of as bad bosses? Because we're not willing to do the professional hard things and talk to our people, pinch them a little bit in order to avoid a crunch. This whole waiting five months is the classic pinch crunch model. If you talk to your people when there's a pinch and you renegotiate and talk about what I need, what you need from in the future, you don't get to crunch. If you wait five months and there's a lot of little pinches and then suddenly you get to a crunch, all of a sudden, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And, and managers actually say, yeah, you're in trouble now. I have to talk to you. We have to have a conversation. And if I have to have this conversation again, I have to write it down. That scares the crud out of people. I don't blame them. And look, even if you think that your directs being defensive is not legitimate, I think you could probably understand the rationale or wh what's going on in their head. And the fact is, it doesn't matter whether you understand it or not. Mike and I have been doing this for 30 years, and the fact is, it's real. Your directs are defensive. You may dislike it, but one, Horseman's ninth or tenth law is embrace reality. It's true. Even if you're having to deal with their history of terrible bosses and you're a good boss, Okay, your directs will often be defensive. And if you want them to improve, you're going to have to consider that in how you talk to them about their performance. You don't get to say everything that happened to them in the past is not important to me. I expect you to behave a certain way, period, end of story. Because then they're going to disappoint you because they're reasonable saying, I've, been, I've had bosses for 15 years. They always treat me like crap. I'm sorry, you might think, well, I, you know, I don't think of most bosses as treating people like crap. Well, compared to the standard of what effective management is, they are. They're not talking to them, not giving them a lot of performance feedback. Heck, we have friends of ours, close friends of our firm that have listened since day one that said, I've been doing one-on-ones for two years, but I just can't bring myself to give my people feedback. Yeah. Really? It's a shame. Yeah. 
do you think our directs get defensive as well? Because when we finally do give them feedback, we're really not talking yeah, about the details. We're not specific, right? I mean, it's these vague generalizations. Vagueness. So they feel yeah. as if it's not a small thing. We're, we're, we're making aspersions on their character sometimes. Yeah, that meeting could have gone better, right, guys? Okay, thanks a lot, right? Well, vagueness is one thing. Or another thing that happens is some of us are borderline threatening. There's a vague sense of consequences out there. Uh, often because of our anger, the way we lower our voice or we speak sharply, or we interrupt and say, look, just do this. That tends to be the D's and I's of the world. Or the other thing is we're inconsistent and people just don't understand whether or not what they did was good or bad because they don't know. They literally don't know. There's enough of most people's work that is unmeasured and that essentially is boils down to you serve at the pleasure of your manager and the manager's opinion about things really, really matters if you don't have clear measures. And there are people who complain about having the measures. Geez, it makes it black and white. It's kind of hard. I had a good month, but in fact, a couple of things went against me. And so I'm not going to make my number. Well, the fact is the world without measures is also bad because you serve at the pleasure of your manager. And if the manager's not really highly effective and professional, you're not doing your best and neither is the organization. So Directs have a legitimate reason to be defensive, and you can argue about it all you want, but the fact is if you don't take it into account when you're giving feedback, it's going to affect the likelihood that your feedback's effective. They get defensive, but why do they want to cite all their reasons as well? What, what, what is why it wouldn't they? If directs don't feel that the way they get performance communication is fair to them, they get defensive. Look, they know we have power over them. They don't like how we're handling our part of the performance communication. So what do they do? Rather than wanting to talk about the mistake that was the outcome, hey, you know, you were late to the meeting, they want to talk about traffic, right? They want to talk about their intent. Hey, I would have been here on time if there hadn't been traffic. They tell us they didn't intend for the outcome to be bad. Look, I operated with all good intentions. I tried to do what was right. They basically say why they did what they did, why it made sense to them. And they say things like, but you said, or I didn't realize you wanted that, or that's what I thought we agreed to, or what we set out to do wasn't really possible, but this, what I did actually was possible. And look, why do they talk about their reasons? Because all of us always have good intent. When was the last time you intentionally did something wrong, folks? In other words, you did something designed to have a bad outcome from your organization. You never do. You never do. Nobody. Everybody's like, no, that doesn't happen. You and nobody else ever intend for your actions to have a bad outcome. So here's the thing. And, and, and this goes to a point that I've made several times in the last couple of years on podcasts. We judge ourselves by our intent and we judge other people by their behaviors. And frankly, that's better than trying to judge people by their intent because you're going to be wrong guessing about people's intent an awful lot of the time. But because you judge yourself by your intent and you mean well, you're going to say, I'm, I'm okay. But when you judge other people by their behavior, it's as if you have to then say to yourself, well, the mistakes I've made, if I didn't consider my intent, they were just plain old mistakes. So why wouldn't someone rather talk about what was, of course, right, which was their intent, their plan, their idea behind what they did, as opposed to clearly what was not right, which is the outcome, which is what you're talking to them about. People want to defend what was right about what they did. I mean, even if people blatantly know that the outcome was bad or what they did was wrong, being late to a meeting, they still want to say, I had a good reason. I have an excuse. Okay. Right? 
Yeah. Oh, of course. Now, okay. So, so let's talk about that a bit because this seems a little bit inconsistent with the advice you've given around feedback, right? I, I think a lot of managers, they actually want to have a longer conversation with their directs and they don't like it when we say it's 10 seconds. Some people said, oh, wow, I can't imagine I could get away with 10 seconds and they'd love to do it in 10 seconds. But a lot of managers, they want to have a long conversation because they want to understand the reasons why their direct yeah. did something wrong. Which is great if the direct wants, if it's negative feedback, I promise you the direct is going to give you their reasons in many of the cases. And they also think that one is that the direct may want to share that. And they also believe that if they know the intent or the rationale, it's going to help them get down to the root cause of the problem, which is going to help them with their direct, right? In terms of improving performance in the future. Yeah. It's also, I think I could see where it would also be seen as somewhat of a softer approach, right? Hey, we know you made a mistake. Let's go back to your rationale. Let's make sure we got the rationale right. And we can have an an esoteric discussion about your rationale. And then maybe next time, if the rationale is more clear, if the root cause is more clear to us, then we'll be able to drive the right behavior in the future. Yeah. That's how I do it. I mean, I I do the the respectful way. I go like, I know you couldn't have intended to do this. So what the heck were you thinking? Right. I mean, that's yeah. a respectful way to do it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Yeah, it's respectful. It's just not effective. <laughs> well, I don't know. Okay. If it's respectful either. Yeah. For one thing, the intent is always going to be good for the direct, right? The, the direct's intent is good. And so when you start asking, hey, tell me why, and the direct gives you a completely logical reason for why they did that, now you're going to have to come up with another intent. And by the way, even if you change their intent, you then have to hope that the new intent you give them is going to drive the right behavior, which by the way, mm. every intent and every behavior is not inextricably linked together. If you're the manager and you realize that the intent of them was good, but it would in no way have created a good outcome. Now you're addressing that wrong intent, and it's a whole nother level of root cause analysis. Root cause analysis. We don't even go there. It, look, the other thing is this. This is where it's funny. People want to have it both ways. They complain that feedback takes too long because they're doing it wrong. <laughs> they're saying, "I want to get to the root cause." And we're saying, no, what you're only responsible for is the outcome and you don't have time for the root cause. So don't try to get to root cause. Really what the manager is saying is, I don't want to be so harsh as to say the behavior that you, you engaged in created an outcome, whether it was really foreseeable or not, that wasn't good. We want to be softer and nicer. And so we're willing to talk longer about something that really isn't necessarily linked to the behavior. Their intent may not be linked to the behavior, and it takes longer. And then the manager says, I don't have time to do a lot of this. Well, you have to be willing to talk directly about behaviors and outcomes rather than getting into the timely discussion about root cause. Directs hate longer discussions. Even if you think it's a softer approach, folks, directs hate longer discussions. Hey, let's sit down and talk about why you relate to the meeting today. Well, that's easy. It was traffic. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. What happens is when managers go from talking about behaviors and outcomes to intent, the direct who used to use intent as a rationale now says my intent was good. There's nothing to talk about. It was just traffic. It was something outside of my control. Right. And most managers won't do it very often if, in fact, the conflict goes on for two or three or four or five minutes. Right. As opposed to 10 seconds in the manager tools feedback model world. This is the equivalent of waiting until you're almost in the ditch before you turn the steering wheel of the car. And look, even if you tried to apply this to the smaller things that happen each day, no manager would ever be able to have five or 10 minute long conversations to address the root causes of all the small errors whose correction, the correction of which would improve results. Managers who say you need to get the root cause either don't do it themselves 
Or if they do, they do so so rarely, they allow lots of failures to occur before they ever get there, which is, of course, another problem as well, because every one of those failures, every one of those mistakes um, costs the company money in terms of ineffective or inefficient behaviors. Right. And look, it also assumes, I think, that the direct needs help in analyzing the problem or the root this cause. This is a big part. This right? is I a mean, big part for me. They yeah. probably know. It's, right. Most intelligent adults, which 90% of the people who are listening to this, the people who report to you are intelligent adults. Uh, I know there's some people who have younger people working for them. Maybe you've got high school kids working for you, something like that. That's It can be a little bit different. They're not fully professionally mature yet. But folks, your folks know. You don't have to talk about the root cause of them being late to work. They know they need to leave home earlier. And I don't mean to suggest, I know I use lateness a lot, but it's an easy one to use as an example. But I can use any example you'd like. If you want to see me an example, I'll be happy to talk about it in detail. Directs don't need help in analyzing the root cause. In fact, there's going to be different root causes for different directs. One direct says it's traffic. Another direct says it's his kids getting to school. Another direct says it's breakfast. Another says it's it's the schedule of his uh, spouse who uh, uh, works the night shift. There's all kinds of reasons. But what you want is not for them to solve the night shift problem. You want them to be on time. Now, is it possible that you could let them off the hook? Sure it is. But you're not going to let everybody off the hook just because there's a chance they have a really, really good reason. If that's the case, you're constantly chasing reasons rather than behaviors. And if you get all the reasons right and the behaviors of your team are still wrong, folks, you're going to be out of a job at some point. You know, generally, the direct only needs help analyzing a root cause if they've got repeated failures in one area or one skill. Now, look, then it does make sense to have a longer conversation. Maybe you need to coach them. But before then, far better to trust the direct to look at their outcomes, look at their behavior and the outcomes they cause, think about them, and then change their behaviors to get different outcomes. Simple as that. And something else, too. Your directs are probably pretty smart. And they can probably figure out what to change to get a different result all by themselves. Leave them alone. Let them do it. Trust them. Treat them like adults and say, hey, listen, you did this. Bad outcome. Maybe do something different next time. And then let them deal with what their intent was and say, oh, okay, my intent was good, but my outcome was bad. Let's think about that intent a little bit. Okay, I'm going to change my behavior. Even if they don't, I, seriously, I don't care whether they change their intent or not. I want their attitude. I want their behavior to change. If their behavior changes and we get the right outcome, that's what we want. And folks, if you have people who won't change their behavior and keep getting the wrong outcomes, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm really am a nice person. I know most of you don't know that, and that's okay. As long as you're learning, as long as you're getting better as a manager. Um, you can hate me if you want, as long as you get better. But if your directs aren't willing to change their behavior, even though they're wrestling with the intent and the outcomes stay bad, you need to get rid of them, okay? Because behaviors behaviors drive outcomes. You're also talking about the intent versus the outcome, right? You're you're, you're masking the real issue. The issue is this bad outcome. Bad outcome. doesn't matter. What they did really doesn't matter. The fact is what you want is a specific outcome. So you can yes. talk about your blue in the face about the intent. It doesn't matter. And that sounds hard to people. That sounds harsh to people, Mike. I think a lot of managers go, no, I'm going to go the soft route. I'm going to go to the intent thing. But th this is the real danger of intent-based feedback or, or having longer discussions about the why of what they did every time we're going to talk to our directs about performance. If we're not willing to be candid, that even with the best of intentions and what I hope were your best efforts, the outcome we had is unacceptable and that outcome must change, if we're not willing to be that candid, then we can't survive long as an organization. We won't. If the members of the organization are coddled 
and turned away from their own outcomes. They're broken away from their outcomes and say, well, I know you're a tense okay, so therefore your outcome, I'm not going to punish you on that or I'm not going to hold you accountable for that outcome because you meant well. And then at the same time, the organization itself is ruthlessly measured in the marketplace on its outcomes. That won't work. The logical, logical extension of a manager always wanting to hear one's honor, some direct's intent, by exploring it and getting to the root cause is like the CEO of your company saying to the marketplace, well, maybe this product isn't as exciting as to you as we thought it would be, but you should still give us money <laughs> or at least not punish us in the stock market because we meant well. The company doesn't get any credit for its intent. Well, in decision theory, you actually can get credit for making a good decision if it turns out poorly based on the information you had at the time. Look, the bottom line is simple. Directs want to talk about intent or the reasons why or the rationale or the other factors because it's what they have that's good and they don't want to talk about the outcome that's bad when you're giving negative feedback. And I'm not talking bad like morally bad. I'm just talking about less effective than a good outcome. But managers who spend a lot of time on intent either don't have time to give everyone enough feedback, at least enough to make a difference, because they, if they did it often enough, they'd run out of time for anything else. And frankly, a lot of them don't have the five or 10 minutes they need in all the situations that happen. Or if they do it, they support a culture that is removed from the organization's intent itself, and neither of those things is effective in the long run. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.